it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of challenge, success, and inspiration, along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here is your host, Sally A. Curtis. Good evening, good morning, and good day to you all. Welcome to another episode of Success Secrets Exposed, where we have conversations with today's thought leaders, change makers, disruptors, uh, to bring you tips, tools, and strategies to help you grow. For those that are new to the show, I'm a content repurposing whiz for speakers, authors, coaches, and consultants, helping them turn their books into two years worth of social media posts effectively turning their existing content into new profits. Today we have a, what's going to be a very exciting show, lots of um, fun and mayhem to be had. Today we're going to be talking about Under Siege, hostage negotiation principles that will help you build your business. And today I have two of my very, very dear friends as guests today, Derek and Gary, who are two of Australia's high stakes negotiation specialists. And today we want to take you behind the scenes of a real life police siege and discuss how the techniques used for survival in those high risk situations can be used to increase your own personal performance in both life and business. Just to give you a little bit of an insight, Gary is a former lawyer and communications and negotiation specialist who was part of the team that actually helped develop the competencies standards for police hostage negotiators and works extensively in the areas of team building and high performance outcomes. And Derek McManus is a former police sniper, diver and counter-terrorist operative who was shot 14 times in less than five seconds. Derek is um, also an international speaker and performance consult consultant like uh, Gary, and he is currently working with the University of South Australia, their school of psychology in relation to the research of durability of human performance. So please help me welcome to the show, Gary Edwards and Derek McManus. Hi Sally, how are you going? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Great to be here, Sally. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank we you. were already getting comments that we're three of somebody's favourite uh, people, and I know who that is. Thank you very much, Peter. So, yeah, I well, put that one on. oh, you did, did you? <laughs> well done. So, as I said to the audience today, it's going to be lots of fun. We do know each other um, very, very well. And when you get these two guys in a room together, it's absolutely electrifying. So I'm setting the stage there, fellas. Uh, so let's, <laughs> let's dive in and have some fun. Derek, if I can ask you to sort of elaborate a little bit more on your backstory, and then we'll um, jump dive into Gary's version of his backstory, if we could, please. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah, my backstory, uh, as you mentioned, I was a police uh, sniper, diver, 
uh, and uh, counterterrorism. And the, the diving was diving into 50 meters of water just on uh, scuba gear and in dark water and all that sort of stuff and tactical diving as well. Um, I was part of the South Australian Police Star Group Special Task and Rescue. For your international uh, listeners, that's the equip. It's the police equivalent of the Navy SEALs, the Delta Force, the uh, SAS, those Green Beret type uh, uh, units. But we are a police based. But we are dealing with high risk arrest, hostage siege, and counter terrorism. I was vip security to the queen when the queen came to visit so it's very very high level stuff um and uh, i was a police officer for 42 years 11 years of that was with the star group um and what we're going to be talking about today or discussing today in particular is that in 1994 uh, my team went to arrest a guy in the barossa valley who wasn't all that keen on being arrested uh he started shooting he fired 18 times i was the target he hit me 14 times with 7.62 or 308 uh, high-powered uh, bullets. Uh, they're the same, the weapon used was the same that the Chinese used when they go to war and the bullets fired were the same the Chinese used when they go to war. It was that bullet. Um, I was lying on the ground for three hours and during that three hours, I was dealing with massive, massive injuries. Uh, I had two severed arteries uh, which I was very fortunate enough that they were either went into fibrillation or were blocked by pieces of shrapnel. Um, I had injuries to my stomach, my left thigh, my right Achilles tendon um, was taken out. Uh, so massive, massive injuries. And I was lying there for three hours. The first doctor to get to me um, actually says that he has no idea how my heart doesn't uh, didn't stop. All the textbooks say my heart should have stopped. Um, he believes the only reason my heart didn't stop is I hadn't read those textbooks. Um, but essentially, it's it's rewritten, rewritten uh, medical um, uh, history because they don't know how I was able to lie there for that long. Um, what we're going to be talking about today, from my perspective, is certainly the mindset that allowed me to do that. And I believe that there were four things, and I'll come back to those, but there were four things that I needed to do to be able to control that mindset. But it wasn't something that I did in the spirit of the moment. It was what I did beforehand to prepare myself for what I could realistically expect to encounter that allowed me to do it and allowed me to survive afterwards. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. That's great. Mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back to those four key points okay. and talking more on that to add, add preparation so gary can i ask you to share a little bit more of a deep dive into your backstory too please sure thanks shelly i was just sitting here thinking what was i doing in 1994 and uh, <laughs> i think on that day i was probably you know sitting in a hotel somewhere having a quiet drink and watching a story on the tv about this guy who got shot <clears throat> but I said, that's remember, about all lawyers ever do <laughs> <laughs> it was one of, those, one of those long lunch days Derek. Um, I, yeah, I, I started my professional life as a lawyer. Um, every, the world needs more lawyers. And um, so I worked for about 10 years as a lawyer in the commercial and civil litigation area. Uh, so having, having fights, just not the sort of fights that Derek got himself into. And um, I did that for about 10 years. I'm also a trained mediator, which, of course, is a uh, specific conflict resolution skill. Um, I then got into uh, education and consulting. Uh, training other lawyers in negotiation, advocacy, conflict resolution skills, and uh, also did a lot of work over the years with the police department in a range of their programs. I developed a conflict resolution uh, program for operational police. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> as you mentioned, Sally, um, yeah. I also worked uh, with the University of South Australia and uh, police departments around Australia on developing what were known at the time as competency standards, so performance standards for hostage negotiators. So uh, over the course of a couple of days and then spread over also a few months, uh, we got uh, hostage negotiators from around Australia uh, in the same room and we uh, opened their brain and pulled out all the how you do it. <clears throat> how do you be a hostage negotiator? How do you do it well? What do you have to do, uh, etc. And they were turned into standards which are now used to uh, train future hostage negotiators. Um, mm -hmm. 
And um, I now, uh, as with Derek, but I'm now for about 20 years, last 20 years, I've run my own business, uh, which is centered on those sorts of skills, helping people to communicate, uh, be a better speaker, be a better negotiator, uh, be a better leader, salesperson, etc. So that's me. Beautiful. Thank you, Gary. Um, and just as additional insight, both of both Gary and uh, Derek are uh, international and national speakers, and that's actually how we all know each other uh, through shared uh, knowledge and shared camaraderie within that industry. So highly skilled in um, all of those areas, especially around this peak performance, winning at business, overcoming mindset, etc. Which is why we've chosen to talk on the topic of under siege and how how the elements of survival that we're going to be discussing and mindset can actually help you uh, increase your own performance in business and in your own life as well. So on that note, you guys have also known each other for a very, very long time as well. What, what, what was it and why was it that you both decided to come together around this very unique topic? And deliver in this way because you guys do a keynote on this topic together and sort of two um you know celebrity speakers in their own rights uh, people that are um, significant speakers in their own rights coming together to do a keynote um, is quite um, innovative and different so why did you guys come together in this unique way i um i remember well, it started uh and i can't even remember how long ago it started uh, but Gary was running a communications problem, um, program for uh, an organisation and they wanted somebody to uh, talk about dealing with uh, violent people. And Gary asked me if I could uh, come in uh, and deliver a 20-minute segment on how they manage difficult people, uh, sorry, violent people, potentially violent people. Um, and when I came in to deliver this, Gary and I had known each other for some time, See, that's why he approached me. Um, but from there, we realised, wow, there's actually more in common we have here just in relation, in relation to communication through the negotiation skills that Gary obviously has and I have uh, through my background in Star Group because negotiation was obviously a big part of our environment too. Um, and from there, we just started speaking and saying, what else can we do and how big can we uh, go with it? Mm. Yeah, brilliant. And over to you, Gary, from for your insights too. Yes, exactly right. And uh, we realised that we both did uh, training and speaking in similar areas, and had um, uh, had uh, you know some chemistry in the sense of a bit of a yin and yang. You know, the lawyer, the uh, the lawyer, the policeman, that kind of thing. Uh, Derek and I are very good friends, but we also had different personalities. So. Um, uh, it tends to, uh, you know, it, it comes across well, if you like, yeah. in terms of a, of, a, um, of a presentation. But also we have, we have uh, similar but different ways of looking at these topics. And, and we just found that that worked really well. And I remember going for a walk uh, through the park where, near where I live uh, and thinking about this topic and thinking about when we first wanted to put this program together. And suddenly the name Under Siege popped into my head. It really just popped into my head. Um, because we talked about what we could call it and so on and, and phrases around high performance and so on came along and um, then we realised that it's really, you know, Under Siege is a great name for it because Derek was Under Siege mm -hmm. and the, the application to the business world, that businesses are Under Siege and uh, that's, of course, uh, even more so uh, these days with the COVID environment that we're in. Mm -hmm. And uh, we realised that we'd already thought about how these principles apply to business and then we went this is really the key to it that uh, mm -hmm. people feel under siege and when you are in a literal siege situation as Derek will explain explain uh, your brain you know does all sorts of things because you're scared mm -hmm. and you're trying to fight for survival and that's actually of course also the sort of uh, the sort of uh, reaction that you get when you are in business and trying mm -hmm. to survive and trying to fight for survival so we we realised that there was uh, a lot of overlap between those topics. Yeah, very much so. Thanks for that insight. As I said uh, in part of my uh, introduction, you guys, when you're in a room together, become electrifying. Um, and you do, as you said, you bounce off each other uh, beautifully, having different personality types. And if you get the opportunity to have these guys, then absolutely do uh, leverage that because the insights and the coming in from different lenses of, 
uh, as it relates to the impact on how you can increase your performance in business and overcome that that siege mentality whether I, I use the words overwhelm or, or when whether you're in that hustle mode that you're sort of in that overwhelm and as a result you're in that survival mode a lot of these te techniques that they're going to share today are so so relevant to business because in some cases, as we go through the, um, you know, ad adaptation or the evolutions of our business or the, you know, pivots that we've all had to do, we, we do feel in varying forms as though we are under siege. And I think that terminology is such a great way of expressing a, you know, a, a, a synopsis of how many different people are feeling in different ways as it relates to business and performance. So um, that's a great explanation. So what I'd love to do now is ask each of you, what's your, um, what's the unique value of this combined insight that each of you have? So if I can uh, pop that across to you both as well. Yeah, I think the unique value, um, uh, I guess the structure of the program is that um, uh, the approach that we've taken is that you, there are two conversations that we need to get on top of. One of those conversations is um, uh, inside your head, which is, uh, which is Derek's area of expertise in this area. And the other one is the conversation that you have with other people. And as you said, Sally, the under siege, the, the pressure that we all feel that we're under at the moment, uh, mm. we all need to be able to uh, talk with other people, work with our colleagues, uh, negotiate with our staff as to whether they work from home or work in the office, um, have negotiations with our suppliers, etc., uh, in order to keep our businesses running. So it's that external conversation. And then there's the internal conversation, which is all the stuff that happens to all of us, of course, that goes on in your head where you doubt yourself, where you're not entirely sure how you get through this. You're not sure how you plan for the future. Uh, mm. And when you're under siege, when you are in that uh, pressured mental state, you're probably not making very good decisions. Um, you're not making uh, rational decisions. Uh, you're, you're in a fight and flight um, survival mm. mode. And so it really is about being able to manage both of those, uh, those sides of the equation. We really need in these times to have very clear decision making and also strong negotiation skills. And they're the two things that the program's about. Brilliant. And my experience, it is that that under siege mentality, um, as Gary was saying, when we are under siege, and what you were saying before, thinking even plane and when they're on an even plane everything is calm everything is rational everything is controllable everything's going exactly the way you want to do and we're enjoying life but as soon as we start to get that overwhelm our emotions go high and our rational thinking goes low and this is where uh, it goes to what Gary was describing fight and flight as soon as our rational thinking goes low we are in fight and flight we are in panic mode it's not when we do the smart things, it's when we do the dumb things. And part of what we are preparing people for is so that they can manage those emotions, not eliminate the emotions. We can't take the emotions out. We are emotional-driven people. Um, and so my experience in star groups says you cannot get rid of them, but you can manage them if you're prepared well. And if we can bring the emotion down and the rational thinking back up, we're more likely to implement all those things that we have learned and all the things that we want to do deliberately um, mm. and proactively. Mm. And so it is about taking the emotion to a place where we can actually implement the logical things, which is the other side of what we uh, do in this program. Um, and it is that lived experience for me being able to say, I've been in the situation, this is how it worked for me. And then saying these tools, and actually work for you as well. Yeah, brilliant. So I'd really like to um, sort of dive into, and I'd love to get to the, you know, Derek, you talked about the preparation, your four points around that, but I'd really like to sort of dig into a little bit uh, further as it relates to the types of problems we're see, seeing in business right now. Obviously, emotionally and personally, you've sort of, we've covered a lot of those that overwhelm and those sorts of things, but I'd love to deep dive into um, some of the problems that you're seeing and then maybe some of the solutions and tips that you've got to share around those or insights. Yeah, I think that uh, 
in a nutshell or, or to kind of be a bit broad about it sally i think the businesses are probably having three major issues at the moment uh, the first one is survival um can we keep the doors open can we make short-term money can we actually make some money and i, I know for example hotels near in adelaide where we live um are saying hey look we just haven't got anyone coming in the door for, because of COVID." so there's that short-term survival uh, which is very much an under siege. I mean, you know, if you're in business and you're not making money, then you, you're not you're not planning for the future. You're not thinking about any of that stuff. You are just trying to do that. So the first one is survival. The second one, so to survive, and the second one is the good old fashioned to thrive. I mean, that's the thing that's been around for a long time: survive and thrive. But it's a more more so now. How do I how do I really survive? And then thriving is really about now. What do I do? And now as we come out of, hopefully coming out of COVID or somehow trying to work our way through it, what does it mean to thrive? What are the possibilities that are out there? You know, we did we did a whole lot of pivoting. Do we have to pivot again? Where do I go next? What do I do next? And, and how do I do that? Am I in the right business? Maybe I need to change my business entirely. So how do we make short-term uh, success, short-term wins? And what do we do for the future, which is where the decision-making certainly comes into it and being... Being able to predict the future is very difficult at the moment, uh, but we've certainly learnt a lot of stuff about ourselves and about our businesses over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And the third area, which I guess is um, where I come in a bit uh, with the negotiation side of it, is about just dealing with people. That ability to, particularly, you know, as you take your business into the future, um, do you have the staff to do that? Do they want to work from home? Um, do they are they willing to come back into the office? Can you get them on board to help you plan and and, uh, and work for the future? Or are they themselves, and quite naturally, uh, people are a little bit isolated and insular themselves. They're just trying to look after themselves and look after their family. Mm. And so the idea of, hey, come back into the office and join us and we'll try and work our way through this, I think a lot of people are saying, I, I just can't handle that at the moment. You know, I've got kids at home that I need to, to uh, homeschool, etc. So there's a lot of pressures on business at the moment. And and that's one of the key things. That's the under siege. I guess that's the, the tagline for under siege in a way, uh, that we are under pressure. And when your brain is under a lot of pressure, it's really hard to be able to make good decisions. And it's really hard to be able to negotiate with other people who are under similar pressure because everyone, like Derek said, everyone's emotions are up here. And it's very hard to get a rational discussion going. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's so important. I know in my own uh, my own uh, life and experience, uh, when I've had I'll call you know those peak stress situations, um, and I'm laughing because whenever I've had those you know peak stress where I can't think clearly because I'm so under pressure that you know the thoughts just don't come. Um, logically, they just don't come. I just can't think straight. And I always laugh because I know when I'm getting close to being like that because all my technology stops working. It's just like there's an energetic field and it just goes, oh, God, she's just about to go into chaos. We're all running away. So the minute one of my pieces of technology don't work, I know I've got a good warning sign. We must have created some form of bond there. But isn't it so true when, you, you know, when you're under pressure and you, you actually need the ability to think clearly, think strategically and um you know um without sort of heightened emotions that you literally can't um but that's exactly what you need which then ties beautifully into what you've talked about using the word preparedness Derek so I'd love to explore um that a little bit as well as some of the problems that you've you've identified with the clients that you work in that high performance arena as well right now yeah absolutely um so we all love the idea of having peak performance and and we all want to be at that peak level but what we've got to understand is what are we able to sustain and when people get into a business environment and they get to that high level of performance and they think I'm at my peak. Um, I've now got to sustain this. Otherwise the CEO is going to doubt me. My, uh, my team is going to doubt me. If I'm not able to sustain this peak performance I've got here, I've got to be able to hold it. Um, then people are going to start judging me. I'm going to start judging myself. And just that pressure alone, our emotions start going high because we're putting ourselves under pressure to sustain peak. So I like to talk about what's the difference between peak performance and optimal performance because optimal is what we need to focus on we want peak at different times but peak is peak for a reason it's at the top 
And what happens at the other side of the peak is you start coming back down again. And we have to know how long to sustain peak, how long to stay up there. But optimal is what we really want. And coming back to the shooting, people say that I was a resilient person. I was able to bounce back from the shooting. And, and that's true in a sense. But while I was under the pressure of dealing with the injuries on the ground, there's no way I was going to be able to bounce back. I couldn't get back to peak under those circumstances. So what I had to do was say, what is optimal? Under the circumstances I'm experiencing now, what is optimal? And that came back to the four things that I was able to control. Uh, and, and it came back to mindset. Uh, I needed to control panic. I needed to control shock. I needed to control my heart rate. And I needed to control my breathing. And I knew if I could control those four, it would give me a chance of surviving longer so that I can start building back to where I am going. So what we like to do is we like to get really practical with businesses and say, what are the challenges you can anticipate? What can you expect of yourself during those challenges? And what would be optimal for you? And this comes down to um, some very practical things that we do in the workshops that we run. Yeah. But it is understanding that difference between optimal and peak and when we need both. And isn't it so true? And I think that's such a great um, ex example. We all do seek to have that peak performance. And if I, again, look at uh, the women gr groups of women that I work with, we literally get into that, I'm going to call it a, a, adrenal fatigue, because we, we continue on that uh, rushing woman syndrome where we try to ma maintain up here and we get up there and then all of a sudden we crash and burn and dive off dive off the end yeah. so we're trying to maintain peak because that's mentally what we've i don't know whether it's part of what we're seeking or what we've been um you know accustomed to whereas it's actually finding what's optimal moment by moment or situation by situation is that what you would be expressing there derek no one likes to talk about money but everyone wonders if they're doing the right things with their money am i saving enough can i buy a house Am I paying too much in taxes? Will I be able to retire? There's no easy way to understand how you're doing. Not knowing is limiting your potential. What if you could unlock insights about your finances in less than five minutes with a clear picture of where you stand today and where your money can work harder? Now you can with a free financial wellness score from facet.com. This isn't a boring retirement calculator. It's a simple way to know if your finances support the life you want to live. Haven't you waited long enough? Take the first step toward reducing your stress about money and reaching your full potential. Visit facet.com to take the free quiz and get your financial wellness score today. That's F-A-C-E-T.com. This ad is sponsored by Facet. Facet Wealth Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. Yeah, absolutely. It's understanding that, um, as you described, if you try to sustain peak, you'll only build up anxiety, stress, uh, and eventually you'll burn out and bang, everybody drops once we get burnout. So it's yeah. about understanding what is best for us. Um, but the the idea of being able to, or that we have to sustain peak, comes from societal expectations, which then build our own personal expectations. And we're not kind enough to ourselves to say we can't do this. We need. I mean, people will consciously articulate and say, oh, you need to go and have a massage. You need to go and take a couple of weeks off. But we actually feel guilty when we do it, when we know other people are still under pressure. Um, but it is about normalising that conversation. Um, and, and something else I talk about is that there are two different ways of uh, instilling resilience. Now, one level of resilience is the resilience to be able to uh, recover when we have uh, had the burnout and we've dropped, when we've made a mistake, when things haven't quite gone wrong. How do we bounce back from that? But the other side of resilience, which is the one that allows us to sustain optimal and sustain peak for a certain period of time, is the resilience that we need to be able to keep on pushing ourselves through those challenges towards a certain goal. It's a different style of resilience to bounce back. This is about bouncing forward and being able to uh, continually push ourselves to the point where we reach that goal, but then are able to say, now is the time to change and take time off and relax and come back to plateau. I mean, you've only got to look at the Olympic athletes. They don't sustain optimal 
for four years between Olympics. They have their peaks and their flows and their troughs and their downtimes, their massage, times where they're just um, coasting to keep things going. And then they will peak again for an international and then they'll take a, um, a wallow again before they peak for the, uh, the Olympics again. Yeah. Um, so it is about understanding it and, and being compassionate with ourselves. And that's one of the key things for me is self-compassion. Yeah, brilliantly said. I think that's, um, I picked up the words, be kind to yourself, um, which I know, again, is something that we're, is always easily said um, and go, yeah, that's a really great idea. But, you know, how often do we take it on genuinely and how often do we continue to keep that keep that um, for our own self-devotion of forms? So, yeah, totally hear you on that one. Gary, yeah, Can please. Can I just jump in, Sally? Just thinking about uh, <clears throat> when Derek was speaking then, um, uh, and your original question about you know the pressures that business are under. Um, all the programs that I run myself are communication-based except for one. Uh, for one client, I run a program. Uh, it started as a time management type of program, but it's now called Managing Your Work, Priorities and Energy. And I did it for them because uh, they're a very good client and it's an area that I thought, yes, this is something that I, I know a bit about. And uh, so I run it every now and then for, for groups of people. And the last couple of years, uh, we've kind of, every time we put it up, we've kind of been swamped by people. Mm. And so, uh, it, it, you know, on one level, we can talk about business owners and, and entrepreneurs like us and running your own business. Uh, but these principles also apply to people who are working for the organizations. And mm. I was really surprised that, uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't be surprised, but I was. Um, <laughs> you, you kind of know that people are doing it hard. But I remember... Uh, one of the seminars, uh, one of the online seminars that we did, um, the people were so close to burnout, so close to having no idea what to do next. Uh, there was one guy who said, I'm managing three inboxes right now just because of, you know, that's the way life is and people are off on staff leave or whatever. Uh, one woman said, look, I'm a, I'm a new mother. I've got a, I've got a little baby. Uh, I'm part-time. I've got to go back to work uh, in order to live. Uh, and being part-time, well, you know, part-time, you often, you're being paid part-time, but you're basically doing full-time work. There yeah. was another woman who um, worked in a um, uh, in, in a, a regional area, country town, where there's a limited number of staff available. And so she was promoted to a kind of a management type role that, quite frankly, she wasn't ready for, but she was the only person available to do it. So she sort of came back off of leave and they said, but right now you're doing this job. And so everyone is just overwhelmed by the amount of work that they've got to do. Then on top of that, <clears throat> there's um, there's the demand of the public, uh, you know, people coming in wanting more mm. things. And and everyone quite rightly is uh, saying, I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that, you know. Uh, and so there's a huge amount of pressure on staff these days. And then on top of that, of course, in the COVID environment, it gets even, even worse again. Um, yeah. So it's quite amazing what... Uh, what pressures individual people are under and how, uh, and I, I found this a little bit surprising, how uh, some of the most basic um, skills that you need to be able to handle that pressure, most people have never learnt it uh, or they haven't had the time to go out and find it. And, and I mean, some of that basic stuff you can Google and, you know, read stuff on, but people don't even have the time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. A great, great ad, Gary. Thank you. Um, I wrote down a question, you know, how do you manage, this was prior to that, I'm going to change my question. I wrote down, um, how do you manage yourself, when you can't manage yourself as it relates to your mindset and you're in that overwhelm, how the heck can you actually manage others? So yeah. that was my first comment. And my next comment based on what we've actually, what you've actually just said, said, so how do people uh, that are finding it difficult to manage themselves, they're finding it difficult to manage others and then they don't have those basics. So they've been thrust into something and often it's multiple things. So it's not just a thing, it's multiple things, motherhood, part-time work that requires full-time input, um, you know, uh, management of people in a role that you're not sure of. How, you're thrust into something that's more than what you're, expecting you're already overwhelmed and now you've got to add staff family and public uh, relations on to top of, on top of that 
So is it not any wonder that we actually feel like we're under siege and on a day by day, moment by moment? So Gary, can you just highlight um, perhaps for the business owners that have got staff in these situations, some of those basic elements that we all think everyone has and that we we have until we realize we don't have them because we you know it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know until it's smacking you around the head yeah uh certainly sally there's there's uh you know there's a bit of research around at the moment uh fortunately on um where we're going what's happening how we're handling it and so on uh and and there are two two main areas that i uh have picked up on one of them is that the key skill for employers at the moment is empathy to be able to uh, have, as Derek said, you know, kindness and compassion uh, for other people, but empathy with your staff, and, and that's hard, as you said just then. That's hard when you're going through this yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first thing is empathy and the willingness to listen um, and and to truly listen, to feel as though for your staff to feel as though you are uh, on your side, on their side, that they are involved in the decision making, uh, not just listening, you know, on the surface. Uh, there's some statistics around that uh, about a third of uh, employers, sorry, employees would rather leave an organisation mm-hmm. than have a conversation with their manager about what's going wrong. And yeah. so you just, you know, you just don't talk about it. You, you'd rather just get up and go. Now, yeah. I've done a lot of work in the area of difficult conversations, and that's what that's about, you know, having to have those sort of conversations and, you know, managing up. How do you have a difficult conversation with your employer uh, or your manager? Um but it's very much about empathy. That's the first thing. And the second uh, thing that's coming out of the research is the key skill for uh, once you are empathetic, the key approach for leaders these days is a facilitative approach or a, what is sometimes known as a coaching approach of leadership. Uh, so you can be a very directive leader. Sometimes uh, you know, leadership is about saying, right, here we go. We're going this way. Everyone follow me. Uh, sometimes you can be a very consultative leader and say, Let's sit down and talk about what you want to do. And it's kind of a balance between the two. You've got to be very much a facilitative leader. Um, you know, the phrase, we're all in this together. Everyone kind of says that these days. We have to make that real. We have to put that into operation. And uh, that means being able to talk to your staff about um, what they need. I mean, just as an example, Sally, one of the key things that is happening at the moment, of course, is staff working from home. And if it's possible to go back into the office, uh, employers saying, can you come back into the office? Uh, that would be great. And employees are saying, I don't want to go back into the office because I, I've got used to working at home. It saves me commuting time. Uh, I can do stuff at home. I can get the laundry done. Uh, and one of the key things that employees say is uh, I'm much more productive at home. And there is some evidence that that's true. Uh, so I'm more productive at home. But on the other hand, employers are saying, well, that's fine, but productivity isn't the only thing we need. We also need, for example, innovation. And we need collaboration. And that's really hard to do on Zoom. It's a lot easier to do if you're in the office and having those little conversations. Now, what that means is that there are at least three, innovation, productivity, and collaboration, just those three areas that Mm. are critical for the success of that business, not just the productivity. It's Mm. not just can you keep doing your job in a different location. And so employers have to be able to say to staff, rather than having an argument about it, this is where the negotiation comes into it, rather than just arguing and saying, no, you have to come back into the office, they need to get their staff together and say, here are the three key areas. This is what we need. And so it's a why, what, and how. Uh, This is what we need, these three areas. This is why these are important. Can you help us to work out how we do all of this? Mm. Because we might be able to be productive in our own uh, homes and our own workplaces uh, but how do we do product? How do we do innovation? How do we do collaboration? Mm. So we need to share with each other what it is that's important, why it's important, and listen to each other, and then work out how we do that. And that's a facilitated approach to leadership. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Gary. And I could see Derek was writing as many notes as I was. So if, I'm sure you've got some insights there as well. So I'll go over to you. Yeah, absolutely. That empty uh, the the. Uh, I picked up on the em- uh, start all that again. Um, I picked up on the empathy in particular uh, because, as I said before, uh, compassion for ourselves. Um, that's an empathetic look at our own performance level, but compassion for other people too. Um, the balance of that immediately starts bringing our mental, uh, the, the mental health pressure down 
and we're a lot kinder to ourselves we're kinder to other people and we take the pressure off but it's about also just understanding where people are and what their performance level is when we're under pressure we have three phases of performance one is fragile when we're experiencing something new or we're getting overwhelmed or there's so many things that we don't know what to do we're in this fragile state and the fragile state is either new learning uh, overwhelmed but we're making mistakes and the easiest way to go from being uh, fragile to resilient is having good coaching guidance mentoring and understanding from the people that have expectations of you mm. now this comes back to our managers and our supervisors um, but also our life partners as well and um, that understand that coaching that guidance that support because part of what this program is uh, for, for Gary and I is it allows people in an organization to see that the organization cares about them they are upskilling them uh, to do the job that they've been asked to do and supporting them through that development. Um, and so we want to understand, are people in the fragile state or are they in that resilient state? And resilience is the ability to bounce back after things go wrong. Um, so that's the first two phases. And if we can get people to resilient, people generally go, uh, that's sensational. But Gary and I will then take them to that point where they are 100% reliable for the job that they've been asked to do. Um, and a lot of this comes back to normalizing a conversation inside your head where we understand our performance isn't always gonna be perfect. And sometimes when we bounce back to that resilient stage again, um, it's understanding what do we need to do to implement the tools? Um, and what are those tools in particular that we need to get back to that point of 100% reliable again? Mm -hmm. So if I recap, it's fragile, resilient, and then reliable. Is that right? Um, yeah, I, the model that I use is a, a model for human durability, which I've created myself. Mm. Um, I, I know that Gary gets sensitive when I use that word sometimes. Um, but it is about building that durability. And durability is going past that point of resilience. Um, if you remember the chemical explosion in the port of Beirut in Lebanon, um, the Lebanese uh, government said, oh, our people, we've experienced this 3,000 kilograms of uh, chemicals exploded, killed people, destroyed buildings. Uh, but the Lebanese people, we've been through wars, we've been overtaken, we've had so much, we are resilient, we'll bounce back. There was one lady that was um, interviewed and she said, I'm tired of being resilient. Mm -hmm. I just want to be able to enjoy my life. Mm -hmm. And the resilience, and this is where trying to sustain peak is mm. putting ourselves under pressure it's finding that place where we are 100 percent reliable where we can sustain an optimal performance and this is what i call durability so yes. it's fragile to resilient to durable but durable i can see gary's wriggling there and then i yeah go gary <laughs> yeah, just on that i mean i do stir derek about it but durability when you think about the word durable um uh, you know that that has a that has a normal meaning. You know we all know what that word means. Durable is something that lasts. Um, mm. If you have a, a washing machine, is it durable? Did it last? And so it's that ability, as Derek said, to be able to you know not fall over, get back up, fall over, get back up all the time. And mm. it's that ability to I guess be consistent and to be able to last through the ups and downs of life. And that also comes uh, into play in the negotiation side of it as well. Uh, and I was only talking to someone the other day about this, that a lot of people learn negotiation in business school and that kind of thing. But I've met lots of people who've, who've done negotiation programs and they're not good negotiators because they learned the stuff, but it's gone in one ear and out the other. Yeah. And so there isn't that consistency. There's not that level of performance. And I talk about negotiation. You've, you've got to have, you know, when you're in the moment and Derek, you know, absolute uh, perfect example of this, when he's in that moment of being shot, he doesn't have time to pull out a book and read it and figure out what to do next. Uh, he's got to have a habit. He's got to have what I would call uh, in the negotiation area. I call it a negotiation instinct. You've got to have the right instinct for how to handle that because you're not going to be able to plan and prepare um, uh, immediately. You've got to do what Derek did and do the planning and preparation beforehand so that when the when the uh, proverbial happens, when, when things go wrong, you're able to then kick into gear. And so that's what durable, I think, that's where the durability, you know, that consistency of performance. 
under whatever pressure you're under, to have the right instincts, to be able to manage your internal dialogue with yourself, uh, to be able to do that instinctively uh, and to be able to instinctively have the conversation with other people. And, uh, you know, working with one of the organisations that I mentioned before, uh, one of the key things that people have a problem with uh, in managing their work is how do, I, how do I say no to people? I get all these demands on me. How do I push them back? And, uh, and so we talk about that. And now I run the program for one organisation where you had the whole team in the room at the same time. And they, so they're the people in the room who are interrupting each other. They're Ooh. the ones who are putting the demands on the other person. And they're all complaining, how do I stop all the other people in this room Ooh. from asking me to do stuff when I don't have time? And Ooh. they all looked at each other and went, oh, I do it to you and you do it to me. And, and I just said, you know, quite frankly, you, you, you know, look, just take a moment and, and have a chat with each other. How do you want to do this? And at the end of the day, the manager who was in the room said, okay, so one of the things we're going to do tomorrow morning is we are going to sit down and work out how do we do this properly? Because we all want to do it. We all feel the same. We all feel under pressure. We're putting ourselves under pressure. Uh, and what we need to do is quite literally negotiate with ourselves on, right, how do we manage the pressure that we're under? How do I politely say to you, Sally, I don't have time for that now? Yeah. How do you not come and interrupt me when I don't need, want to be interrupted? So yeah. it's that ability to, to get to that point. And now what that means is that from that negotiation process, they will have a more durable uh, work uh, workplace uh, because the, the level of performance will be more consistent. Yeah, I think that's such a great uh, explanation. We've just had comments about the um, explanation of durability being spot on. But I, I, if I go back to sort of um, just pre-Christmas, um, the, the pre-Christmas scenario and the many conversations I was involved with, everyone was sort of talking about, oh, I can't wait to Christmas to have some time off just to, you know, to relax, to let, to, uh, to you know, relax a little bit and let go a little bit. And that to me just really typifies the fact that we, you know, we've been under this pressure um, and we're putting each other under even more pressure because we haven't normalized, hey, I'm ex we haven't normalized the conversation of, hey, I'm experiencing exactly the same thing you are. Um, and I didn't realize I was doing the same thing to you. So there's that 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 opportunity to normalize that conversation. And for me, it also um typified that. Um, the conversation with the lady that made the comment um, around the resilience is we all want it. We all know life is a roller coaster, but we actually want to enjoy the roller coaster. Um, and that comes through that consistency, consistency of having the right understanding of the other person, the right understanding of what is going on for us, and then having the right conversations at the right time, which changes the way in which we interact, which actually then increases increases the productivity in this performance side of things so just as we start to come to a a wind down because i knew we'd get into an awesome conversation have you got any last minute tips uh, or comments that you would like to share with the audience to for, to enable them to continue on their day i um i'd like to just pick up on what gary was saying about instinct uh because as he was describing it people might have been thinking my gosh, instinct, if I only knew the instinct that I needed when I was in the negotiation process. Um, and I think that instinct comes intuitively when we know exactly what our purpose is. And when our purpose is very clear as to the outcome we want, um, then that instinct, we just follow that instinct and we just get to the purpose. Um, but the understanding our purpose comes, is, is better clarified uh, from two different perspectives. One is what's the ultimate outcome you want? What's perfection? What is absolutely the best you want? Because that's what we're really aiming for. Mm -hmm. But the other side that we've got to understand is what's also the bottom line. If mm -hmm. this doesn't go right, what is the lowest level that I'm willing to accept before I step away and say, no, this is no longer good for me? Because mm -hmm. if we just focus on what's the best and it starts to go wrong, we start getting into that panic, overwhelm, military describe it as VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, I'm not sure what's going on. So if we know both what the ultimate is, but also what our bottom line is, because so that takes pressure off of us. I'm not going to get ultimate, but so long as I get above the bottom line, then mm. I'm going to be happy, the boss is going to be happy, um, and that helps us to be instinctive in those conversations, a little bit more relaxed. Uh, and when we're more relaxed, we come across more confidently to the uh, other people. Um, and they have more trust and more connection with it. Yeah, brilliant. Gary, I can see you've got, got, 
got to pause this. Have you got something else to add to that? Uh, just one thing. Uh, I yeah. just uh, uh, remind people of uh, what I mentioned before. Um, we need to see each other as allies, not adversaries. Allies, not mm -hmm. adversaries. It's a very competitive environment that we're in at the moment. We're all we're all trying to survive. We're all trying to get on with stuff. Uh, and so go back to what I mentioned before, which is what, why, and how. What do you need from other people? What do you need to happen? Why is that important to you? And then work with them on how you can make that happen. Yeah, brilliant. Um, there's been so many insights. I've actually got to the point that I've written over, over the top of my own notes, so some of which I can't <laughs> now read. So brilliant. Um, it was such a great conversation, and I think it was uh, very important to for people to hear ultimately that, hey, what we often think we're the only ones going through um, is to also let other people know and normalise the fact that, hey, I'm experiencing it too. Um, so shall we actually have a proper conversation around that so you can actually get to that nice sort of normalised understanding which will help you um, get into that more empathetic um, scenario and help to listen more. Um, I think it's really valuable for the employers to understand that they um, why the why they're needing their their staff members to come back to the office it's not just about productivity which is obviously the first thing people are thinking and reacting around yes but I'm more productive at home that's a very strong reason to justify it but there's also that opportunity that's lost as it relates to the innovation and the collaboration that occurs which is where uh, true growth comes from versus just you know regular sort of maintenance and I really love the conversation around the instincts so thank you for sharing more on that uh, Derek that was that was a great um so yeah um lots and lots of uh, great tips for everybody obviously you can contact uh, Derek and Gary through their respective websites and if you need any further information please don't hesitate to contact me I'm more than happy to connect you with both of the fellas so I would love to say thank you very very much to both of you um for joining us on the show, sharing so much of your insights and wisdom um, that is so very, very practical and actionable for the people that you've uh, that have had the privilege of working with both of you. So, if you're uh, uh, looking for a speaker to help your uh, audience and your team members and your own staff grow, then do consider Derek and Gary and their Under Siege um, keynote and their Under Siege offering. So, thank you very much to both of you. Thank you, Sally. Thank, Thank you. you, Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you all next week on another episode of Success Secrets Exposed. Bye for now. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, and I trust that you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. You can find this episode along with many more on your favorite streaming platform such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and more. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time for more Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis.